What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. With me, as always, the co-host, the CEO of Hedge Better himself, Justin Fine. Justin, what's going on, my man? How are you? You know, I'm, I'm doing it's another Monday, uh, you know, and, and we're just back to the same old, same old here in New England. So, you know, nothing really standing out. We're, we're beyond that now. This is a new low. Yeah, seriously. This is a new. This is a new low, and and re- let's face it, the pa- the Patriots haven't really been in this place in a long time. We have a great episode of the podcast today because as as bad as it is now for this franchise, there is a lot to discuss about about the future here and and, and what happens the rest of this year. So we got some great stuff. I'm really excited. We have a terrific episode today. So let's get right to it, Justin, and let's begin with the kickoff. This is the opening take to start the podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to say that, you know, I think one thing that separates me from a lot of other uh, people that think about and analyze this team is that I don't separate Mac Jones's failure from Bill Belichick's failure. And I, and I, we've talked about this several times in the past. You know, I, I think that Bill Belichick drafted Mac, I think that Bill Belichick is responsible for Mac. And I think Bill Belichick has complete and total control of this franchise. And I'm, I'm watching this game yesterday. Terrible loss to the commanders. Drops his team to two and seven. Basically, more or less eliminates them from having any kind of meaningful season. Vaults them to the top of the draft. And I'm watching this in this downward spiral we've watched the last four years. Sort of reaching this new low, if you will yesterday and it comes to mind i'm looking at the quarterback i'm looking at the way the roster is constructed i'm looking at the whole operation the way they coach the way they play the way belichick approaches the game which we've talked about a hundred times in 2018 justin do you remember there was an anonymous patriots um coach that was quoted in ian o'connor's story this was when brady was still here and they were still winning but there were definitely cracks in the armor at that point and it was that the, the exact quote was that the Patriots coaching staff did not think that Tom Brady was as good as the rest of the world did, and that the Patriots could win with the 15th best quarterback in the league. And that comes to mind as I'm watching this team yesterday because I'm like, this reality that we have now in Foxborough, what we're dealing with right now, it is the manifestation of that philosophy. That belief amongst Bill Belichick, amongst the core of this organization, and we don't know who the unnamed assistant was that leaked that story, by the way. We think it was Joe Judge, (laughs) who we'll get to later because he's a goon, but we don't know for sure. But the bottom line is that the Patriots believe that they could win with an average quarterback in a certain kind of roster. And I think what yesterday cements for sure, is that the faith in the system that the New England Patriots had in the Patriot way, the Belichick system, that way of doing things that they did for so long, that faith was misplaced. It was grossly misplaced. And that 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 this whole thing, this whole this whole operation is based on a philosophy or an approach to the game that they can win with an average quarterback, that they can plug pieces in across the roster. 
You could go sign reclamation projects at wide receiver. You could you could do things. You don't need skill making. You don't need playmaking, right? These are all choices that tie back to that philosophy. And I think we can declare today, after they fall to two and seven against the Washington Commanders, Bill Belichick looks like he is on the ropes right now. Who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year? We're going to talk about it. I think we can declare today that that philosophy and that choice was wrong. Uh, I mean, it's pretty tough to uh, to sit back in and think that they got something going for them there. I mean, you know, look, we we debated this for for the longest time here, um, and you know, I, I I think as I think as fans in New England. We were all kind of uh, we were all kind of hoping that that might be true, right? Because like as lo- as much as we wanted Tom Brady to be the best, and he is the best, he's the goat. Like he proved it. He went out and, and did his thing with us and in Tampa, and now we're sitting here going, "Wow!" Like it really was. It really was Tom, right? And but I think for us, we wanted to believe that Bill was at least half responsible, if not majority responsible for the success here because I think we all kind of thought that Belichick would outlast Brady in the Patriots organization. So we were all kind of planning, or at least I was kind of planning that what, you know, inevitably whenever Brady left, which, you know, when he was here, it kind of seemed like he might be here forever at times. Um, I kind of expected things to maybe have a hiccup, you know, maybe a little bit of a rebuild, but I expected things to more so, you know, kind of pick up where we left off have some continued success. I didn't expect to win Super Bowls as frequently, but I expected to compete. I expected to be the top of the AFC East. I expected to be the top of the AFC. And I expected to be a competitive organization that we we still had meaningful games and in meaningful seasons to, re- to rest our heads on. Um, and it's just very clearly not the case. Like time is running I, out on Bill Belichick's clock in order to like f- for this whole philosophy. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the doomsday clock And the doomsday clock is at midnight. And the only question is, like, how do the chimes ring and when do they ring, right? But there's no question that we're here right now. I will forever be shocked, Justin, at the way this has all gone down the last four years. Like, I I think saying that it was more Brady than Belichick is one thing. But but to see what we've seen the last four years and to just see this organization unravel from the seams when Tom Brady left, I never in a thousand years thought that was going to happen. No, I didn't either. Like, I I don't think a lot of people did. Like, I mean, we all drank the Kool-Aid that there was the Patriot way. There was the Belichick way. There, there, just, there just was something different about our organization from Kraft down to Bill, down to just everything that permeated throughout the, the team, the culture, the locker room. And while we all thought, uh, you know, Brady was a big component of that, I don't think any of us thought that he was as big of an influence as we're finding out he was. And I'm not fair to so, like, if we're really being fair, the league has changed a lot too. Like, I don't think it was all Brady. Like, I'm not one of those people that, that look back and say, this is, this was all Brady. Belichick was a fraud. Like Belichick was a great coach, is a great coach, did a lot. Right. But I think just like a player, I think there's like, a shelf life, right? Where like you get to this point where your stuff, your methods don't work anymore. The philosophy doesn't work anymore. Maybe Belichick doesn't have the energy or quite the dedication that he did, you know, in the past, a little bit of bad luck. And then the game changes a ton. 
And I think it sort of creates this set of conditions that puts this organization where they are right now. I believe Bill Belichick was a great coach. I believe in the Patriot way. I believe there was something unique about what, what happened here beyond just the fact that they stumbled on the greatest player that ever lived in the sixth round. I mean, obviously that was a huge part of it. I would say to have a 20 something year run like they had, you have to have multiple things fall into place. The biggest piece we all know now was Tom Brady. I think having Belichick and how Brady and Belichick interplayed with each other and how I would say Brady Belichick's weaknesses almost became strengths because of Brady's strengths which is really like the perfect symbiotic relationship. If you follow what I mean, like, you know, Belichick may not be great at offense. You're always going to have a good offense with Brady. Belichick doesn't want to spend money on skill position guys. He'd rather spend it somewhere else. Brady's always going to give you points. Like there are things that Belichick does that absolutely kill him. Now that Brady's gone, that actually kind of worked because Brady was able to fill up the gap and then allowed Belichick's strengths to really manifest, you know, which is like defense and special teams. And they found this recipe, this formula that went on for two decades. For but, sure. Um, go ahead. No, sorry, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, th- I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head that it was a, there was that relationship where they brought the best out of each other. Like, I don't, like, I, I, I don't think this, just like this speaks to the fact that it was all Tom Brady, but it's like they, they catalyzed each other. It was like, you know, the, the combination of the two was was just very lethal. It was. And, and I and like I said, I think I think the key phrase, and I'll say it again, is that strengths turned Bill Belichick's weaknesses into strengths. And that's what made it the perfect symbiotic relationship. Um, Belichick may not have been so successful if he didn't have someone like Brady to do that for him. But but that doesn't mean Belichick wasn't a great coach or that there wasn't something special had happened here beyond Tom Brady. But, but, but I think for whatever reason, to take it back to the present situation, they went all in on this like philosophy or this system that they believed in. And I just think back to that 2018 league in the Ian O'Connor story about Unnamed assistant says Patriots could win with 15 quarterbacks. I was thinking of that all day yesterday against the commanders. I'm like, this team, they draft Mac Jones to be that guy, to be that average quarterback that's smart and can run a system. They fill all these pieces all over the roster to be in accordance with that 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 philosophy, that system. And, oh, my God, what an epic fail and a disaster it really was. Because what we learned now is it wasn't just the system. It was the system functioning in the context of, of the greatest player that ever played. Exactly. And you know what? Look, it shouldn't shock anybody when you throw the greatest player of all time out there at the most important position on the field. Um, yeah, it's going to have a big impact. But-, but but I was expecting like 2008, right? Like eleven and five, and and, right. and you're in the content. You were, I wasn't expecting what they've become, and I don't think any. I don't think many of us were. I mean, you know, like I knew that you lose Tom Brady, you're not going to be in the conference championship game eight straight seasons. Any that's not going to happen again. But I still felt like as long as they had Bill Belichick here, they were going to be a good competitive team. And boy, was I wrong. A lot of us were. For sure. And so look, and because I, I again, you know, it's not like like we go back, and I know it was just one season, but we did have that Matt Castle year, right? And we did go. It was eleven and five that year, right? 
So, yes. so, you know, you look at that and you say, okay, well, there's definitely reason to believe that, you know, Bill could, Bill and this Patriots team could be successful without Tom Brady. Like you could make an argument that Mac Jones and his potential, um, you know, the, or the potential that we saw in him was, was, was better than Matt Castle's, you know, maybe, but, but I think the big difference is Matt Castle stepped into a Super Bowl winning organization. Like th- they, that was a roster that had won championships. Those were players that had won championships. Those were guys that had win, that had been there, that had done that. Like Mac Jones stepped into a situation where, you know, there was a lot of turnover and there's been a lot of turnover since he's gotten to the organization. An erosion of talent. In a, it, exactly. So that's gone on for years. This isn't something that just happened in 2023. A hundred percent. So, I mean, you know, there are, there is a lot that goes into it and you know what? It, momentum is a real thing in sports. And when you're winning it Super is. Bowls and you know, you win a Super Bowls, you're confident, you're in a groove. It's a lot easier for a guy to step in, 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 in fill a role than, you know, a, a cold start um, when you don't have much going for you. We're going to get to the quarterback in a second. Let, let's keep it on Belichick and talk about what the rest of this year looks like for, for the coach of the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick. This is the end for Bill Belichick, I think, this year. And I think if I'm guessing, and and I think I'm sure the New England Patriots are doing this right now, having some very frank and honest conversations today about what 2024 looks like. Because I think, Justin, if if there is an organization-wide agreement from both Belichick and the Crafts and everyone involved that Bill Belichick is not going to be the coach in 2024, I think that it makes a lot of sense, not necessarily to fire Bill Belichick, but to come up with some palatable excuse to kind of push him to the side, like immediately, like before the the end of the year, like a medical leave or a personal leave or a leave of absence or call it whatever you want. I don't see Bill Belichick getting fired in season. I just don't think that, that, that especially now that the season's already lost, it's worth it. But I also don't want to see Bill Belichick coach a four and thirteen. I don't want to see the greatest coach of all time, you know, have to go through this sort of ugly end. And maybe he will. But if it was up to me, I would say it's probably time to start thinking of some kind of leave of absence. I'll give you one caveat with that. Whatever you do with Belichick, you can't take away your leverage to potentially trade him to another team because there are teams that are apparently interested in him. We'll get to that in a second. You can't lose that leverage, um, which is one of the reasons why you can't fire him, even if you wanted to, because you're going to want to be able to get cap- recapture something back because he does have a contract for next year. But I think something like a medical leave or a personal leave kind of strikes the balance of getting him out of here, protecting him, because I don't think he's enjoying this, and he got 72 years old, um, and, and also maybe allowing the organization to begin to move on, I would be very curious to see how some of these players would do, especially the quarterback, if Bill Belichick wasn't there on the sideline. Well, you bring up an interesting point because, you know, one thing that I kind of want to bring up in reference to this is, did you see the reaction um, when Josh McDaniels got fired from the Raiders the other day from the players? Apparently- From the players in Las Vegas? Yes, Players in Vegas. Yeah, I did. And isn't, isn't it, it, they were elated. They were elated. 
they hated him, right? They they said they didn't like his style. They didn't like his leadership right. tactics. They didn't like his they, everything about him was just off putting to the team. And it was very noticeable um, watching that team play, right? What happened with Matt Patricia and the Lions? It was the exact same thing, right? What happened with some of these other coaches that have come from the Bill Belichick tree and branch out? And they're not Bill Belichick, but they try to emulate that Patriot way. They try to emulate Bill Belichick's style somewhere else. And we've constantly seen around the league that other teams, other players are not receptive to it. Those coaches do not make it. Those coaches do not get received well by their players. Um, we've seen even just separate from that, we've seen players from around the league talking about like how they would never want to come to the Patriots. They'd never want to play for Bill Belichick. Like you don't see teams saying that about other, you know, a lot of other teams and organizations because there's specifically something about Bill Belichick in the Patriot way that is very off-putting to a lot of people in the league. You have to be a certain type of player to, to like it and put up with it. And right. Well, this goes back to that first point though, which is like when you have Tom Brady here, that's such a draw to bring in other players. It turns Belichick's weakness into a strength, right? Like people don't want to deal with Belichick, but they're willing to when you're going to be in the AFC championship game, because you have Tom Brady automatically every year. And so players are willing to deal with it. And it actually serves some greater good in terms of like how the team looks, the discipline, the preparation. But when Brady's gone, and, and there's no real lure to bring these people in. Why would any player want to come here and deal with a Bill Belichick who is just frankly, you know, doesn't understand the modern player? And, and that's exactly it. The Brady, Brady was 50% of the equation and the winning was the other 50%, right? You came here because of guys like Tom Brady and you stayed here because you were winning, right? And so when you take away Tom Brady and you take away winning, Bill Belichick, I'm fearing, is just becoming another, you know, one of these coaches that is losing the locker room, losing the respect, he, he cannot get his team to, to to rally behind him. And I think the proof is in the pudding because for forever, even when he was winning, even when Tom Brady was here, players didn't want to come here. And ever since guys have been coming out of the Patriot tree, we, we, we've seen, I think, more failures than success stories. Um, it's 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 an interesting development I think to watch because we might be you know slowly seeing not only the unravel of Bill Belichick like the coach and GM but we may just be seeing like the organization just completely revolting from Bill as a whole. Yeah, I mean, look, Justin, this this didn't happen starting just this year though. I mean, you right. just hit on an important point, which is look, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, Gronkowski retired after the 2018 season and. This team had literally no tight end in 2019. They might have been a Super Bowl contender, or they certainly would have been a better team in 2019 if Rob Gronkowski came back and played. Gronkowski had a lot left in the tank. We saw that in Tampa Bay in 20 and 21. He literally couldn't stomach being here anymore. This is the changing generation of NFL players. This is a different era. It's a different person. It's a different cultural and social and, and personal aspect of how these young men are raised now and how they expect and want to be treated that has completely changed in the last five or 10 years. And it makes Bill Belichick methods antiquated. But this is this has really gone on for like five years now. And I think, Justin, look, no, no place does this look more prominent to me than our young quarterback. And to me, Justin, right now the Patriots are two and seven. I want Bill Belichick gone 
not because I want to see Belichick fail or I want to get rid of him. I, I think it'll be a terrible, sad day when Belichick leaves. But if you're asking me, I would like to see what Mac Jones looks like without the looming shadow of Bill Belichick hanging over him. Because I feel like I, I watch these young quarterbacks play. Who leads the league in turnovers at the quarterback position now? Jalen Hurts, Pat Mahomes, Tua Tagliavoloa, Josh Allen. These are all some of the best players in the league. They're at the top of the league in terms of interceptions. They also make a ton of plays. I feel like Matt Jones is stifled right now. I feel like he's nervous. He lacks confidence. He Bill Belichick will not accept any sort of mistake, any sort of development from him. And, and I think it shows so much in the way Mac Jones plays the game, where Sam Howell is a good example yesterday, goes out and he throws an awful interception right before halftime. And and what happens the next drive on, in the second half? He throws a beautiful touchdown pass. Mac Jones, when that happens to him, he loses his confidence. Why? Because Belichick undermines him at every turn. I want to see what Mac Jones looks like without Bill Belichick looming over him. I would, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, yeah, it's it's tough because I would like to see that too, but do you gamble and give Mac a fourth year, or is that what you're saying? Why you'd like to see Bill oh, go I'm this I year? I want to see just yeah, the so next, you the next see, seven games, right? Okay, just just to see what he looks like for the next seven games without without the presence, the looming black cloud of Bill Belichick hanging over him and waiting to yank him out and put in Bailey Zappi in front of the home crowd every time the kid makes a bad pass or a bad play. I mean, I mean, really, like what when have they given him the freedom to have his own learning curve? They have not ever. Every other one of these young quarterbacks gets some amount of learning curve, some amount of support and leeway to make mistakes and then come back out and sling it. Well, Bill Belichick has never let Mac Jones do that. I think if for no other reason than to see what would happen with Mac Jones, part of me wants to see Bill Belichick take a leave of absence and let Mac just be Mac. And maybe he sucks. Maybe he doesn't. But but I want to see it. Can I ask you something though? And, and, and I just want just yeah. to play devil's advocate with this question. And I know it's a different set of circumstances because I think we've seen more evidence that Bill Belichick is maybe one of the problems or the major problem right now with, with this organization. With that being said, we've hyped on how this organization in Bill Belichick specifically pushed Tom Brady out the door prematurely are we ready to say that we would not be pushing bill belichick out the door prematurely like i know we talk about the doomsday clock i get it but like if he's willing to go and coach for another team for another year or two or even three maybe whoever knows like are we going to regret saying yeah we you know we we'd rather move on from bill and and now we've moved on from tom we've moved on from bill and not only that but we've moved on from both of them without any chance of hope. Like we're not leaving behind like a, a a promising franchise that's right on the cusp of success where we're leaving behind a franchise in shambles. Like, is that where we want to yeah, start a the rebuild? A franchise in them? shambles that Bill Belichick left in shambles. You're not leaving prematurely on Bill Belichick because you've given him, this has been a six year process really going back to before their last Super Bowl, where their talent has 
been in decline. This this franchise has been in decline probably since 2017 or 18, and it's just gotten worse and worse. Generally, the trend line has gone down. So how much longer are you going to let this go on for? It's just not working. I have zero reservations about moving forward at this point. And, and if Belichick goes and finds success somewhere else, then, hey, good for him. I'd actually be super happy for Bill Belichick. But you can't keep banging your head against the wall with this organization and doing the same thing and expecting different results because this whole little arrangement just doesn't work. Yeah, no, something something isn't working. Something has to change. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very... So, so do you think Belichick should finish the season? Do you want Belichick to finish the season, Justin? If I'm being honest, I do, because I think Belichick not finishing the season is just like... That, that to me, I think is our rock bottom. Like I know we're at the lowest we've been in a while, but our rock bottom is losing arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time midway through the season when we're failing. Like that to me just signifies that everything is, is gone. I, I hear that, but I just think, I think that we're at that place already. And for me, if there's some kind of information that I can get about my players, my quarterback. If, if you look, look what you just hit on the Raiders, right? Look what the Raiders did this week once McDaniels was fired. They played their best game of the year. Well, you've got seven games left. There are two, eight games left. Oh my God. Eight games left of this team. There's a lot of developments of, of some of these players that can happen in that time, maybe including with your quarterback. If, if Bill Belichick, who I believe, frankly, is the problem with this organization, right? We point the finger at Patricia and Mac Jones and, you know, um, everyone else and this, that, and the other one. I mean, Bill Belichick right now has been the problem for four or five years. If moving on from him in a palatable way, I'm not saying fire him, but I'm saying medical leave, personal leave, leave of absence type thing. If that is, if that is what it's going to take to get a look, a good look at some of these guys, because right now, Justin, we're playing for 2024, like we're we're a total rebuild. They're literally at the bottom of the league. This is all about rebuilding this mess, fixing this mess right now. And if getting Bill Belichick, pushing him off the stage, getting his presence out of the locker room and away from the organization is going to help get us more clarity and insight on these young players or some of them. And who knows, maybe even allow a few of them to perform better because of the strained relationships he's made. I'll allow the Raiders this weekend. I'm sorry. Like, I feel like you have to think long and hard about doing that. And then in the off season, you know, you, you leverage and you negotiate your way to get him to a place that he's happy. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I think you, you are right at this point, you know, you have to, you have to exercise some, some option, right? Like something has to change. You can't just do nothing. Um, I think just watching the Patriots go about with Mac and Bill just, continuing to do this, going out, losing games that they should win, you know, seeing nothing change. Like that doesn't do anything for us. You well, know we'll I- put it this way, Justin, long-term, long-term, what does this organization gain from Bill Belichick coaching these last seven or eight games? What was if the, you really think about it, what's the what is the organization? Oh. Yeah. Like what's the long-term benefit? If Bill's, if Bill's gone, he's going to the commanders next year, which we're going to get to that rumor in a second. Right. Um, you know, we everyone inside the walls of Foxborough know it's ending. 
this this January. It was a great run, uh, legendary run, but it's coming to an end. What does the organization gain from keeping him here in, in Foxborough for these last? I just don't think they gain. I think they actually lose because he's stifling some of these young players, including the quarterback. So, and the quarterback may suck. I'm not. I'm not. You know, saying that, but I, I'm just saying like. So what? If the quarterback sucks without Belichick here, guess what? You go 2-15 and 15 and you have a better draft pick next year. Like so, You have nothing to gain from, from keeping him around. So let me ask you something. Who? It, let's say that happens, right? What's the order of operations? Because now, you know, I think I would, I would have liked to see Mayo get a shot at being head coach, but doesn't it just seem too perfect now, given the way things are shaken out, that – that maybe O'Brien gets promoted to head coach and McDaniels come back, comes back and runs the offense. I mean, you, you definitely, I think you go O'Brien. I don't think it's fair to put Mayo in that situation where he's never been coached before. I think you, you would promote Bill O'Brien to interim head coach and let him finish the season. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I even would want McDaniels back, frankly. I mean, I don't know if he'd want to be here, but I don't think you need him with O'Brien here, but I just think it'd be very simple to put O'Brien in charge for these last few games and and see what happens. Um, before we move on, Justin, a, a couple other things I want to bring up. The um, the commander's rumors. I thought this was really interesting. Rumors of Bill Belichick being traded to the commanders. I got a couple takes on that. Number one is, I'm not sure why the commanders would even want him. And I'm not sure if it's a good move for the commanders. I think it would be interesting and exciting for the commanders. But the novelty of that would wear off really quick if you know you get a seven and ten or eight and nine season like he's been producing here in New England, I don't know why the Commanders would want to trade draft capital to bring in a seventy-two-year-old coach who really hasn't had the best last three or four years. We've seen this story in NFL history before. Joe Gibbs comes back for their second run. Uh, Parcells in a couple of his later stints. Um, there's a couple of other, other names that, of guys that were successful. And then went on late late in their career and really didn't do as well. Why would the commanders even want Belichick? Like I would think they would want to move on and bring in someone new. I mean, I th- look. You, you know, they just got a new the, the new ownership team, right? You got Magic Johnson and and those guys in there. Uh, they're looking to, I think, bring the biggest name that they possibly could to to Washington. Like that's what they want. Like. Bill Belichick is a proven winner. They may think that you know he's he's run his course in New England, but maybe maybe a fresh start um, will be good for him in Washington. And I mean, look, like if if you're that organization, I kind of get it. Like they're they're basically they're looking to rebuild, right? Like that's Washington is not just a team looking for a new head coach. Like that's a team looking to completely rebuild and change the identity of the organization from the ground up. You know what I mean? Like we've heard. But if you're looking to rebuild, why why are you bringing a 72 year old? Because I think uh, God, I think you're looking I think you're looking for a guy to lay the foundation. I think their plan would be to give him two three years to lay a foundation, try to establish a Patriots way with a a blank slate in Washington, and have a guy in place from the get go that they know can can step in in year two three four whatever it is to to take the and reins. I mean are they going to give him total control? You want Bill Belichick running your draft as you rebuild? Like I just think really if you think about it. It doesn't make sense. And this actually ties into my second point or thing that I'm thinking about this situation, which is like Bill Belichick is under contract for next year. And we know that. And the Patriots have a ton of leverage 
in this situation. They don't have to do anything. They can leave Bill Belichick on the sideline. They can, you know, they have him on a contract. The, the commanders are going to have to pay the Patriots draft capital to get Bill Belichick to Washington. So now you're not only bringing in a guy with like a really poor track record the last five years, he's older, and you're going to get to give up draft picks to get him to a team that has him under contract. I don't think that really makes a lot of sense. I will say I found it interesting that, well, I'll get to that point in a second. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for, for, for the commanders to, to give that up. I definitely look. Hey, I'm not. De- I'm not defending the move. I just see what they might be thinking. But hey, I'm. I'm on your side. It's. It's basically a new owner, Justin. That's like trying to make a lot of sizzle, right. and and not really thinking critically about really what he's doing. It would be a huge mistake for the commanders to to build their rebuild or or or, or, or start their rebuild rebuild with Bill Belichick. At the center of it, it would be a colossal mistake. I think it would be like um, Vince Lombardi. Ironically, didn't he go to the Washington Redskins after his time in Green Bay? I mean, wouldn't that be uh, fitting and poetic? And then um, the the last thing I'll say about this, and I think we should we have to talk a little, Justin, before we move on about Bill Belichick's legacy. And I'm looking at the McDaniel's, Gable, and Bill Belichick situation, and they're all in free fall. Bill Belichick's coaching tree is an absolute mess. Like his, it's actually, if you look historically, it's it's terrible. What is the effect? Now that we see the end in sight here, and whatever he finishes these last seven games or eight games, whatever happens, you know, it's gonna be ugly. What is the effect of all this on Bill Bell? What's the effect of all this on his legacy? I mean, I'll tell you here, here's the thing. I still think you'll be able to make the argument and defend it that he's the best or one of the best coaches of all time. Um, but I think a few years ago, it was almost non-debatable. And now I think it's a very, very wide open discussion. I mean, look, you you know, you want to talk about some of the other guys that people are starting to put past them and, and give clout. I, I mean, you know what? Andy Reid's been doing it for almost just as long, and and he's got a what a third as, as many Super Bowls as as Belichick, right? So it's like, you know, you'll always be able to pull that card, right? And and Andy Reid has Mahomes, um, you know. So it's like, like I just don't see someone being able to say definitively that Bill Belichick is not the greatest of all time. But before you were able to say, I think definitively that he was, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think, to be honest with you, my, my take on this is I really don't think when we get a couple years of distance between the end um, and, and the present time, I don't think that this is really going to affect Bill Belichick's legacy all that much. Like, I think people are still going to think of Bill Belichick as one of the greatest coaches that ever lived, even with the ugly end. Nobody thinks less of Tom Landry Chuck Knoll, I mean, Joe Gibbs, these guys, even Bill Parcells, these guys are all guys that are mentioned amongst the greatest coaches that ever coached the game. And the reality is each one of them met a really ugly end, wherever they were at the time. Like, And they didn't win for a while. I mean, Don Shula went 20 years 
without making a Super Bowl almost. Forget winning one without even making one. He couldn't even win a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. So, you know, like I think when it's all said and done, Belichick will be remembered as one of the five greatest coaches of all time. But to your point, if if Belichick continued host Brady the way in any way approaching what he was pre-Brady, he would have been far and away the greatest coach. He would have been the goat of coaching. And he's not going to be that anymore. Right. Right. He's 100%. going to be top five. It's going to be a de- it's going to be a debate right now. You're going to talk Lombardi. You're going to talk whatever. There's going to be names you come up. Belichick is going to be in those names, but he's not going to be number one. He would have been number one if if it had gone on, if it had continued. Exactly. All right, and then one last thing uh, you just mentioned. So I want to mention that we're going to move on. McDaniel's Dable, Belichick, um, all all in failing. You said you wanted Gerard Mayo as as the next head coach here. Do you have any second thoughts? About about a Belichick coaching tree member as being the guy that this franchise might build around. I'm not so sure that I want Gerard Mayo anymore here, Justin. I think maybe a clean break and, and a different coaching tree might be the way to go. Like, I don't know. Is May is Mayo different enough from Belichick that we feel confident giving him the keys to the franchise? So I mean, I in my personal opinion, I just don't. I don't think that Belichick's wrongdoing should be held against him. Like he's someone that that you know we said we would have liked to see him. You know we would like to see him get a shot at some point. We we had confident in him as you know as as a player. We had confident in him. You know as a, on a co- as a coach on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and you know I think we've we've agreed that he would be good for the locker room. He would be a good players coach. Uh, so you know I I do I do think I'd like to see him get a shot, and I don't think that. All of a sudden, just because now he's a Belichick disciple, that we need to run, you know, 180 degrees in the opposite direction from that. I think he still deserves it and is still, you know, probably pretty qualified. Um, but you know, look that that that's the big difference between someone like a like a McDaniel's and someone like a Gerard Mayo. Like they both stem from the the, the Belichick tree. They may have similar tendencies to McDaniel's, but. Gerard Mayo can go into a locker room and command respect as a, a former player, a former you know standout player, uh, someone someone who's been there, done that. Like he is more of a leader than a Josh McDaniels is amongst men in that locker room. You know what I mean? So I I yeah. I, I, I just think he's got a you know he, he's got yeah, a good shot. And he deserves is a little little different than some of the other Belichick coaching tree guys, and and if only because he played the game right, and that and he does seem to have kind of a different personality or approach than maybe um, Belichick and some of his dis- hardcore disciples did. But honestly, big part of me, Justin, right now thinking clean break might be the best thing. I'm not sure if I want Gerard Mayo to be the next guy anymore. I just feel like this whole idea of like a succession plan and continuance of, I don't know, the Belichick way of doing things and passing that baton on to the next guy in line. I'm not sure that's the right thing for this organization right now. I, and I don't think anybody could blame you for taking that stance. All right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback, Mac Jones. I said at the beginning of the year, if you remember from our preseason edition of the podcast, I said that I was going to stop making excuses for Mac. And I really want to stop making excuses for Mac Jones. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I can. I go back and forth on Mac Jones. If you've listened to the last few episodes of the podcast about how I feel about him. I really don't know if he's a good quarterback or not. I've lost a lot of confidence in him based on what we've seen on the field. But 
my one takeaway after yesterday, I look at what was out there with him. It's really been that way the last two years, certainly, if not the whole time he's been here. Yesterday, he was out there with an XFL team. This team already had the worst wide receiver group in the league with Kendrick Bourne. Now you take away Bourne, who's far and away their best and really only legitimate NFL wide receiver. And it, it gets, it, it just, I don't think that it's fair to make, I, I don't think you can still get a read on what Mac Jones is. I'm pretty confident he's not a great quarterback because I think we'd see more from him if he was. But I still think you could win with Mac Jones. I don't think you can get a read on him based on what we's out, out what's out there with him right now, Justin. No, you can't. And, and, and but honestly, in that, not to go back to the earlier point, but that's one of the things in the back of my mind that says to you know that makes me hesitant to say, oh well, you know, is if we get rid of Bill and let, get to see Mac operate without Bill in the in the organization, like you know, it'll it'll give him more of a uh, you know maybe a clean start and, and an opportunity for us to see what we're working with. But like, all you're doing is you're removing. Bill is the head coach. Like you're not changing the weapons he has out there, right? You're not changing the play calling. The offensive coordinator is still going to be the same. So like, I just, I wonder how much different it'll be. If, if anything, it'll just be like a mental, like a, like a, like a mental relief for Mac potentially. Well, see, but, but to him, I mean, I always feel like mental is his biggest problem. True. So I, that's, that's my point. Like, yeah, I mean, the team sucks and he may suck, but I don't, I don't, I don't think you're getting the best out of the player, and a huge part of it is the mental piece. And I think Bill Belichick is more responsible than anyone for creating th those conditions. So, um, you know, I think when you factor in that piece, and then you factor in what he's out with there with him, which is really a bunch of guys that don't belong on an NFL roster. I'm sorry, Tyquan Thornton, not an NFL wide receiver, bust, total bust. To clear it now. Jalen Rigger, he's been cut two times. He yeah. stinks. There's a reason why he was cut. Mike Gusecki, guy can't do anything. I mean, the only halfway viable target they have is an above-average tight end that's Hunter Henry. I don't feel like you can get a read on what Mac Jones is under these conditions. I think that we said it in the preseason, right? We need to get a read on Mac Jones. We need to know what we have. Well, guess what? We still won't know because the team around him is that bad you may be able to win with this guy. He's not a great quarterback. I think that I, I will say definitively because he would have shown more, but he could be a good one with the right conditions around him. You're not going to see that this year and you're going to have to make a decision on this guy this off season. And I don't think really have gotten a fair representation of, 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 of who or what he is. No, I well look, I, I, it, you could argue we haven't gotten a fair represent, representation of Mac since he's gotten to the organization, right? Like we and we've said that um you know from day 1. So realistically, you have to take a leap of faith no matter what your next move is, right? We either have to take the leap of faith that Bill Belichick should no longer be the the involved in your organization. You have to or you have to take a leap that, you know, Mac uh, maybe has more in the tank because he's in, been held back since he got here, or you have to take a leap of faith that you need to bring somebody else in here, um, both head coach and quarterback. So you, you know what I mean? No matter what, you're not stepping into any sort of stability or, or quick fix to, to the problems that we have. So, so this is what I would do, because you're right. You, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty no matter what you do. And it's just unfortunate reality of the situation they put themselves in, Bill Belichick put them in. 
And that is, I think they should keep Mac next year. I think they should think about picking up his option. And if they get a top five draft pick, they should draft another quarterback. And I know it's going to be hard because this is a terrific draft. And there is several franchise tackles available. Marvin Harrison Jr. might fall to them if they have the third or fourth pick. If they have the opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback, another top five quarterback, they should absolutely do it and they should keep Mac. Because what's the worst thing that happens? You have two good quarterbacks. Somehow Mac turns out to be okay. And then you, you know what I mean? You draft another guy and he's okay. I look back to the Chargers when they had Drew Brees, who, whose career was up and down his first few years when he was in San Diego. And they went ahead and they drafted Phillip Rivers. That's the perfect analogy. Okay, then what happens? You trade one of the guys and you can bring back assets. You can't go without a quarterback. You can't go into next year with Mac Jones as your franchise quarterback or your only franchise quarterback, right? Because he's just showing so many things wrong over the last three years, if you're being fair, that it would be crazy because what if you get to next year and you realize, okay, this guy really does suck. Then you're really screwed, right? And, and, and the rebuild gets delayed another year. But other side of the coin, you give up on this kid and, and all of a sudden it becomes apparent that it really was more Belichick, the players around him and what Belichick was doing with him. And you just let this kid walk away and you draft some kid and they end up sucking worse than Mac does because that could easily happen. Then you're really screwed, right? So I think you bring two guys next year. Does that sound crazy to you? I So look, I, I think I would be in a little bit of a different camp. Like if, they, if they're going to pick up Mac's option – and you got somebody like a Marvin Harrison Jr. available in the draft board. I'm sorry. I'm not even thinking twice. I'm, I'm smashing it. I'm smashing that button. Um, look, uh, like we've we've sat here, for even dating back to the, the the Brady era, talking about all the great what ifs, you know, the, the some of the great weapons that we've passed up on, some of the guys that, you know, we've missed out on given, you know, we, we've missed chances to provide Brady with weapons, Red Mac with weapons. Um, and it's just every year, every year, every year, every year. If you can hit on someone who's supposed to be a generational talent, I mean, you know, he comes from good stock. His dad's one of the the one of the better wide receivers to ever lace up his cleats. Um, I I think you take it and you give Mac uh, a, a chance to 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 prove it with the weapon. I think Mac has shown that he can be decent enough that if you are looking at taking another risky first round quarterback versus taking a a almost guaranteed franchise receiver, I think you take Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, well, if they do that, then they should take a quarterback with their second pick. But, sure. but my point is you got to bring in a guy that at least has some upside. If, if, if you know, if next year you can't, you can't go into next year with Mac. It's like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't feel ready to give up on Mac yet. As strange as that sounds, but I really don't because the conditions have just been so unfair. And, and I mean, like I said, this was an XFL team. This was not an NFL team out there with him, really, not just last week, but for most of the season. So I don't want to give up on him, but I also don't want to go into next year with him as your guy because you're going to have a unique, maybe once in a third year opportunity to make a draft pick for a franchise quarterback. It's a strong quarterback class this year. You're probably going to have a top five pick. You've got draft capital. You know, you pass up that opportunity. You draft Marvin Harrison Jr., you might be putting yourself into like the seven to nine win zone for the next decade. And then you're the Chicago Bears. You know, you're that team that never gets the guy. 
So you're passing up a huge opportunity by not drafting the quarterback in the top five if you get that chance. So if you do go that route, at least take a chance on someone else. You know, Brett Favre, Drew Brees, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, all guys taking late first round, second round. There have been great quarterbacks taken at that spot in the draft. You need to bring in another young quarterback, I think, no, no matter what you do with Mac. I'm okay. I'm okay with bringing in another young quarterback. I, I would just be very careful who that is and who we take him over. You know what I mean? Which I, I think goes without saying. There's also, but, by the way, a couple franchise tackles. Like I think there's two like Orlando Pace type prospects in the top six or seven in the draft. I mean, next year it's a good. It's going to be a good draft to have a tie draft pick in. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Belichick. Like if if he winds up with like a top you know, three pick and he thinks he can trade down a couple spots and get one of those tackles. That would be such a Patriots thing to do. It would be, but Belichick is not going to be the one making that pick. I mean, <laughs> I guess we don't know for sure, but we'll see. Um, and then last thing I want to talk about Mac Jones, Justin, I, I saw Sam Howell yesterday. Um, he, I've been saying from the preseason, I thought he looked pretty good. That guy balled out. I, he plays scrappy. He throws the ball really well. Um, he shows a lot of resiliency I'll give you the example of throwing that awful pick to Kyle Duggar. And if Mac Jones throws a pick like that, for whatever reason, he turtles up and he like shuts down for like five drives afterwards. Sam Howell came in and balled out after that play and threw a huge touchdown pass to Dotson in the third quarter. I felt like I was a player. Would you trade Sam Howell for Mac Jones right now? Because I would. And oh, by the way, just to rub salt in all our wounds, do you know Sam Howell was drafted five picks after Bailey Zappi was drafted last year? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, would I trade Mac Jones for Sam Howell? You know, I don't know if I'm there yet, Dennis. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think, like, I watched, I watched Sam Howell and I've seen Sam Howell and it's like, Sam Howell to me doesn't look like he's any better than Mac. It just looks like he's playing a little bit more unbridled. Like you know what I mean? Like he's he's a little bit uh he's a little bit he's got more free reign and free will back there to kind of to to grow and 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 come into his own. Like Mac always looks a little like frightened by his own shadow back there. But I, I haven't seen anything that tells me like Yeah, but that's like eighty percent of being a quarterback is like going out there and slinging it, having resiliency and mental toughness. Like you know, I mean, I don't know why Mac doesn't have those things. I think I think a lot of it does have to do with the conditions around him, but some of it is him. Sam Howell doesn't have that problem. Like that guy slings it, man. He does. He does. He does sling it. Um, and he's got better weapons too. I mean, like, you know, like Jahan Dotson, his second receiver, would be our number one. Way better weapons. Terry you know McLaurin, what I mean? Right. Two good running backs. Yeah, no, no question about that. Way better weapons. I I, I just think it's I just think it's funny that. Howell was taken after Bailey Zappi last year. I honestly think I'd take Howell over. I mean, I, you know, I'm pro Mac, but but I like Sam Howell. I just think it's like it just goes to illustrate. You know, I mean, really, like you can find good quarterbacks later in the draft. Um, you know, if if there are out there, and if you take a chance on them, Justin, let's talk about the wide receiver room. Yesterday, we hit on this. That was the worst wide receiver group I think I've ever seen a Patriots team have. I've been a fan longer than you. I can go back to the 90s, oh, in the late 80s, when I was like 10 years old, 9 years old, and they still had at least a couple NFL caliber receivers. I really don't think they had one good NFL receiver. They're throwing to Tyquan Thornton, Jalen Ragor, and um, who else did they have out there yesterday? Um, 
you know, oh, uh, Pop Douglas, yeah. who, who I think is probably far and away their best player on offense in terms of skill position right now. But that was the worst wide receiver room I've ever seen a Patriots team trot out in the field. I'm yeah. going back to the, to the dark days of the 90s, 1-15. and 15. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I mean, look, though we we literally put together like a, a, a hobbled group of guys out there. Like it was, it was pretty pathetic. I mean, Jalen Rager, I know he's a former first round pick, but that guy has been bounced around from organization to organization. Like clearly nobody has been able to extract that, that, that projected first round talent out of him. Um, you know, I, it, it's just to me, another sign that like, we're just trying to, 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 to plug pieces in, in, and find a diamond in the rough. Like we have no, I don't know. It's just, you know what I mean? Like we're just digging from the, 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 the bottom of the barrel here. Absolutely. I mean, Jalen Rager's been cut twice right. in the last like 18 months by Philadelphia and Minnesota. Yep. I mean, th- there's a reason why you're able to pick that guy up off the scrappy and it's because he sucks. He sucks. And you saw it yesterday with some, some of his plays on the field. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. What about this viral video? of Taekwon Thornton going around when, when Mac was waiting for him to run this comeback route. And he runs like the most lackadaisical route. Like he, he looks like a, a guy in a pickup flag football game on a park somewhere that like doesn't want the ball. Cause he's out of breath. It's, it's unbelievable. And this is who they're trotting out there. I mean, Taekwon Thornton sucks too. Like I, this was a second round pick that they traded up for last year. And what has he done? In, in, in almost two seasons now to justify what they did to bring him in here. And you watch him run that route yesterday and there's no way that guy is, is going to be an NFL wide receiver. No, no. And, and again, just he's uh, done. He He's definitely done. It's just another blown pick. Like you could look at, look at all the guys that we took, um, that we took after, or, you know, took him over. Like, look at, like he is just, a clear bust. Um, even when he's out in the field, like it's like he just he looks like a little boy out there. Like honestly, like I know he's supposed to be fast. He looks like, like a marathon runner. Yeah, he has the body of a marathon runner. He Seriously. looks like he's running marathons. Yeah, no, I I just don't see. This is classic Belichick philosophy one hundred and one, right? Go back to when he drafted Bethel Johnson in two thousand and four or three or whenever that was. He just wants a guy that's fast because he thinks that all he needs to do is have the defender chase the guy that's really fast, and it will open things underneath open up things underneath for other players. Belichick doesn't think you need top level skill position guys. As long as you have someone fast enough to make the defense have to chase him. That's what they were doing when they drafted Tyquan Thornton to bring in the fastest guy on the field so that it will open things up as a decoy. That's a classic Belichick tenant and it's wrong. It doesn't work anymore. No, no, it doesn't. And you know what? It, it's great when you get a guy like that who can be a burner or even a distractor, but also produce when called upon. This kid just, I, I've seen really nothing out of him in, in, in his two years here that give me any hope that, uh, that this kid can turn into something. Absolutely. All right, next topic. Special teams, Justin. Uh, we've said it before. Their special teams is a disgrace. And I don't understand why Joe Judge has a job here. I really don't. What a terrible special teams coach he is. I mean, they make so many mistakes on special teams on this team. I think they made three or four of them again yesterday. They put such an emphasis as an organization 
on special teams. They The only time they're aggressive in free agency is when they're bringing in some gunner or some kick cover. They drafted a punter and a kicker, who are both good, by the way, yesterday. They make, But they make such an emphasis on special teams as being the third phase of the game, and then they suck every week. And they make like two or three mistakes on special teams every week. Joe Judge, it is time to go. That guy is a goon. He's a goon. He's not a good coach. He's not a good special teams coach. He has no value to the organization. I am so tired of watching this team week in and week out make critical penalties and mistakes on special teams. This team, like we've said it time in and time out, this team's strength always used to be special teams. And that was one of the things that helped separate us, win close games, always keep an edge. Like their special teams is just such a weakness now. I mean, you go back to that holding call on that, uh, you know, that punt return in the fourth quarter that, that, that Douglas, you know, had a nice little return on that came back. Right. I mean, you know, you look at that stuff and you just say like, I just another example of special teams killing what could have been a huge play that led to potentially a game tying or game winning drive. It's it's like every week at some point in the game, they are playing from, you know, they're putting themselves disadvantage because of their special teams. They have enough issues on both sides of the ball that they don't need, you know, dumb penalties from the kickoff or punt return team to, to make things worse for them. This team has a hard enough time moving the ball as it is. You know, you look at that holding penalty on 41. I forget his name. Um, now, granted, that was also an offsides, right? They had two penalties on that play. They would have gotten the ball, getting a field goal to tie the game at the 45-yard line. Right. And, and instead, where are they? They're back at their own five because of two dumb special teams penalties. It, it, it's just unexcusable. And it's not just once. It's literally every week for like years. Joe Judge has not fixed this at all. It, it's 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 a huge part of the problem. All right, let's move on, Justin, to um, the defense yesterday. And I, I just want to say again, look, I know they lost Christian Gonzalez. He's a rookie. Okay, We saw he looked okay. He looked great against Tyreek Hill. He had a terrific game against the Dolphins. Nobody should have been counting on Christian Gonzalez in the preseason to be a a staple of this team. You don't draft a guy as a rookie and throw him in there and say, we're 100% counting on this guy to fill a hole. It's always going to be a 50-50 thing. So this defense really, in my opinion, is down one major piece, and that's Matthew Judon. And that's a big loss, but but it's also a position of strength for them. They have Keon White. They drafted him in the second round. They have Josh Uche. They have Dietrich Wise. Their defense should be better than it is. Looking at the defense yesterday, again, Washington was like 9 of 14 on third down. Washington held the ball for like 36 minutes. The Patriots couldn't get off the field when it really counted. I'm sorry. I don't think this defense is all that good. Kyle Duggar didn't make an excellent play at halftime. Kind of got lucky there. But overall, this defense is not as good as I thought they would be. 
No, I don't think they're, you know, as good as we thought they were going to be either. I mean, it is difficult when, you know, look, we mentioned it when, when guys are hurt, right? Um, you know, I mean, even their secondary other than, uh, Gonzalez has been banged up for most of the season, but like, I, I do want to say though, you know, it was very apparent watching that game that that defense has trouble and they've had trouble getting off the fields on third down, getting big stops. Right. Um, with that being said, I mean, you did hold the team to 20 points and at home, you should be able to put up more than 20 points against uh, an average at best defense in, in today's NFL. So like they held them to less than 20 points, but that was a lot because Sam Howell also gifted the Patriots a, 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 a interception right before the half. I mean, they gave up 432 yards. They gave up 5.6 yards per play. They gave they were, the the commanders were nine of seventeen on third down, and 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 the, and the commanders were able to hold the ball for thirty seven minutes. So I mean, like, look, I'm not saying it was the worst defensive performance in the league. You're right; they only did give up twenty points at the end of the day. But what I'm saying is that that was not a good defensive performance, and, and it really hasn't been for most of the year. No, no, I mean, th- no, it has not been a, d- a good defensive performance. Um, you know it. But it, part of it too is like, I look at it and I'm like, I feel like, you know, the team is almost a little demoralized, like rising tides raise all ships, right? Like if this, this offense is, as I believe, second to last in the NFL in terms of scoring, right? They're, you know, they're, they're, they're one of the worst scoring offenses in the league. And it's like, when you can't get good, consistent drives out of your offense to, to break up the momentum, get some rest, like not have to shut every team out and hold every team to, to, you know, 10 points or less to win a game. Like it gets a little demoralizing and it's a little difficult, right? Like I don't think this defense has been as good as, as, as hyped or as good as maybe we thought, but given all the injuries, given like the lack of production on offense, um, it's kind of tough to expect them to be that, that, that defense that we all thought they could be. I mean, I will say one thing, if you're being fair about the time of possession thing too, the Patriots ran a no huddle a lot yesterday. And there were several times where they went three and out in a no huddle. So, you know what I mean? Like, like right. you're talking two minute possession. There was one possession. I think that was like 40 something seconds. So that, that certainly doesn't help. And then Justin, let's talk a little bit about just the outlook for the rest of the year, because you just hit on that. Um, one thing that I think is important, which is like, as bad as this is, I don't feel like the Patriots quit yet. And I I felt like they played hard yesterday. I don't feel like they have, you know, given up as a team on the season. Well, now that they're two and seven, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. And if they hit that point where they you kind of just fall apart mentally. But I didn't feel like they, they they've they've gotten that part yet. Got to that part yet. No, I I haven't feel like they they got into the got into that part yet either. I mean, like, look, this is this is a team that they've got a lot going against, like a lot going against them. Um, but like, it's very tough to see a Bill Belichick team just quit and give up. And at least that's one thing that we hope that they they still got going for them is that like I hope this team comes out and plays in in plays hard. You know what I mean? Like, even if they're not winning games. I want to see these guys competing and in, in, in giving it their all. And I'd rather, much rather say that we're losing because we have a lack of talent, not uh, that we're losing because we're going out there and we're phoning it in each week. 
Well, well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, they're losing because of the talent. They're losing because of the coaching. They're not losing because they're not they're not trying. I mean, they they've pretty much consistently played hard the the whole season. They might have played dumb at times. They played dumb all the time, but they've certainly played hard to this point. Rest of the season outlook, Justin. Last question. We'll move to the breakdown. Are you are you in full on tank mode now? Are you rooting for the Patriots to lose for the rest of the season? Am I rooting for the Patriots to lose? What a question. Um, you know, at this point, if the Patriots have no chance of a meaningful, uh, you know, second half of the season, if we're not going to see them make a run at the playoffs, I, I, I would at least like to see them get the best draft pick possible. I mean, you know, we've never seen this team, or at least I, I can't remember ever seeing this team um, with, with a top five draft pick. And I think it would be very interesting to see what they do with it, especially given like all the holes and in, in, in the needs in this team right now. And it's even going to be more interesting once we find out who's, who's making that pick. So, um, you know, I say if you're in as bad of a position as you think you are, if you got as many needs as we think they have, um, I don't think any moral victories right now, you know, squeaking out a couple additional games is, is going to do anything, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to do anything that, that getting a higher draft pick couldn't do for us next year. You know what I mean? Like a little bit of, a little bit of momentum. I don't know, but I, I would rather take the, it, it's the better amazing player. that it's been so bad. And I think if the season ended today, they'd have the fifth pick. And what one important thing that happened today is that Daniel Jones is out for the year with, yeah. with his ACL. I don't know if that really makes the Giants. I think that might make the Giants a better team with Tyrod Taylor. I know Tyrod Taylor is going to ball out. Like, I, I really don't know if I could say that about Daniel Jones, but the Giants are a team that I think will be in, in, in the market for a quarterback. You're going to have Arizona. They're, Arizona's in full tank mode. Like, no question about it. When they traded Josh Dobbs, you know, I don't know if they could bring in Kyler Murray and win a few games. Great. But, um, you know, the, the bears are going to have a couple of those picks. Are they going to be in the, 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 the market for a quarterback? Are they committed to Justin Fields? I mean, could you imagine if the bears take Marvin Harrison jr. And a franchise lineman or something and built and are able to build around Justin Fields, what that could do for them. Yeah. Point being is that, you know, there are probably going to be at least a couple quarterback hungry teams that you're jockeying for draft position with. So I don't know as much as it hurts, like, you know, you, you're right. I mean, maybe the right thing to do is, is to root for, for losses. I mean, you, you, you know, I walk out of the game yesterday and I'm like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm upset they lost, but it was an entertaining game. They were competitive. It was a gorgeous day. And at the end of the day, you know, it probably is the best thing for this franchise for them to just bottom out this year so I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. I still think their schedule is weak. I fear that they will win a few of these games here and there. But, but, but you know, I mean, it's all about 2024 right now, I think. Um, and for them to get back in this, they would have to go on a run that, let's face it, they're just not capable of, of going on a run like that. No, not at all. All right, Justin. Let's move to the breakdown. I, I know um, we got a few, we got a limited time here, so I want to talk about quickly a few things that happened yesterday. Let's start with the first Patriots. I think it was their first drive of the game. Really nice drive. Come to a fourth and two. Mac Jones misses a wide open Tyquan Thornton. We trash Tyquan Thornton all the time. Hasn't made many plays, 
that was one where where Mac just sailed the ball and, and missed them. I loved the decision to go for it. Right. I, 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 there was Hunter Henry was wide open. Tyquan Thornton was wide open. And Mac Jones could have easily run for the first down. And that's probably what he should have done. Just tucked the ball and ran. That's your safest bet. He elected to throw the bass downfield to Thornton. Missed the throw. Yeah, it was in actually it really wasn't even close. Like when Oh, he sailed it. Yeah. Like it 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 was it was tough. Um you you know that that's one of those that that's one of those plays where I like, you know, you say to yourself, as much as Mac has going wrong for him, that's one of those throws that he can't afford to just let it sail like he did. Right. Because then it that's why people aren't just sitting here saying, well, you know, it's not that Mac has been entirely screwed. It's I don't think Mac is potentially a franchise quarterback. And it's plays like that. It's bad, you know, it's it's missed throws, it's bad decisions, coupled with what he's had to face that I I think helped lead to that narrative. That was a tough throw to miss, and it could have really been different for the game. I mean, that's an easy throw for an NFL quarterback, too. And and with Thornton being so wide open, it's not like you have to stick it in there. I mean, you could have floated that up there and and he could have caught it and ran and you would have got the first down. Like there's just some throws as a quarterback that you can't afford to miss. And when a guy is that wide open on a fourth down, like that's a throw where maybe you take a little off the ball, maybe you float it up there a little, but you got to get it into a, a put the ball in a place where the receiver is going to be able to catch the ball. Now, if he loses, you know, 10 yards a rack, because you don't lead him perfectly, that's okay. You can't afford to just sail that throw, and that's what Mac did there. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, how about the, um, the the Sam Howell interception right before the half, Justin? I thought the Patriots were actually kind of in trouble. I mean, they fell, fell behind 10 nothing. They, they scored two awesome touchdowns. I mean, beautiful pass from Mac Jones to Hunter Henry, and then a great run from Andre Stevenson. Um, they were in the no huddle at that point, too, and I think they caught Washington – a little off guard, you know, Washington was, w- w- was stealing momentum back at that point. And I felt like if Washington scored there before the half, a touchdown, it really would have set them up in the second half of that game to be in good position to, to pull away. Um, a beautiful drive from Sam Howell, a beautiful scramble on third and long to, 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 I think it was third and 22, which was just a gutsy tough run, right? Like, embarrassing tackling by the Patriots on that one sets up that interception. It was a terrible pass by Howell. Yeah. Awful pass. And you know, it was nice to see somebody like Duggar coming in, making a big play. We've talked about him needing to kind of step up and prove like, like his worth to the organization. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was a big play. Um, and unfortunately it didn't change the, the end result, but it was huge in terms of, preventing Washington from pulling away and, and, and letting the Patriots stay in the game for the second half. And absolutely. It really kind of kept, I felt the Patriots in the game at that point. And then credit to the Redskins, the Patriots got a field Well, The Patriots got a field goal coming out the start of the second half, really aided, but I would say the passer penalties that I've seen, in recent memory, what was your take, Justin, on that rough in the passer penalty the Pats through, um, were the beneficiary of, frankly, on Mac Jones, where he not only took a sack, but fumbled, um, gave the Patriots three points they probably deserved to get. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen the I, I've seen a ton of questionable calls go in, in not only a ton of questionable calls, but a ton of questionable plays 
go against the Patriots. I'm not fully convinced it was a roughing the passer. Um, it was nice to see a call go in their favor and, and, and kind of give them uh, some second life. Unfortunately, again, you know, it didn't wind up changing anything really in the, at the end of the day. But I'll, look, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, and then, and then from there, um, Sam Howell throws a beautiful touchdown pass to Dotson. I, I give credit to Sam Howell for the way he stuck in there and, and just, you know, was very resilient. I felt like, and not just on play to play, but the game as a whole guy doesn't quit. Um, that was a big pass. I think that that drive right there is probably what won the red, um, commanders, the game. Yeah, that drive. And I mean, I think, look, just the fact that like Sam Howell, uh, he had, he, he's he got some weapons to throw to. Like even a guy like Byron Pringle out of, you know, Kansas City kind of washout, like he would be like the number two, if not the number one receiver on New England right now. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, the guy had some weapons um, and, uh, you know, he, 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 he was, he just doesn't look like he's impeded out there. He doesn't look like he's afraid. He doesn't look like he's intimidated. He looks like he just gets out there and he slings it. Yeah. He certainly showed that in the second half. Um, and, and so the Redskins at that point had a, a 17 to 10, uh, uh, excuse me, a, a 20 to 17 lead over the Patriots. Um, Mac Jones down in the fourth quarter at home, four chances, to get this team a game tying or, or score or go ahead score fails to do it. But in all fairness to Mac Jones, Jalen Rieger was just an awful drop pass on a beautiful rope for Mac Jones. He must've thrown 55, 60 yards in the air, just an egregious drop by Jalen Rieger. Yeah. And that's why so many teams have passed on him, right? Like this is clearly not a find for us. So, uh, you know, I, it just just further adding to, to 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 the the argument that we should get rid of them and uh, or, or you know even if we don't get rid of them it just should show you what we're working yeah well, they with. can't get rid of them because they literally right. have nobody else to play right. you know exactly and oh by the way one of the reasons he got so much run is because Devonta Parker was injured again I mean yep. that guy misses a lot of time right yep. guy they made a huge ex- gave a huge extension to this off season okay so that led to uh, um. Patriots being in a situation where they're down 20 to 17 late in the game, the notorious offsides on special teams, awful mistake, can't happen. Put the Patriots in a situation where instead of getting the ball back with five minutes left, they got it back with a little more than two minutes left. Um, I think put a lot of pressure on the Patriots. They had no timeouts at that point. Nonetheless, the Pats come up the field, I think put together a pretty solid drive. They're right on the, the cusp of field goal range. They convert a big fourth down to keep the chains moving. And then once again, Justin, a terrible mistake in a key spot on the Mac Jones interception. I thought it was a great pass. I thought it was a dime. Actually, those are the kind of tough throws that we're all criticizing Mac because we say he can't make. And then in a tough situation with the game on the line for really the second time, a third time this year, he's done this. He fires an absolute dime and his receiver does not come through for him. You know, in the week one, it was Kayshawn Booty not getting his feet in, and it was Kendrick Bourne dropping a pass on a third down. And against the Raiders, it was Devonta Parker dropping what, what could have been a game-tying touchdown or a game a go-ahead touchdown pass. And then yesterday, Juju Smith-Schuster, ball right off his hands. Yes, a tough catch. Yes, in traffic. 
you're an NFL receiver. You 100% have to make that catch. It was a beautiful pass. Yeah, it was a beautiful pass. You have to make that catch. And uh, look, we, we're in a situation where, you know, it's unfortunately, I feel like we just keep saying the same stuff for the same players. It's like failed opportunities, drop balls, you know, not making plays when they should. It's just all coming down to the fact that this team just underperforms from top to bottom. Under underperforms though, really, because is Juju Smith Schuster a good receiver at this point? Is it is it is a little bit that? But I mean, he should be able to catch that ball because I think you or I could catch a ball like that. But I don't know. Isn't Juju Smith Schuster kind of? It is what he is, right? You're surrounded by bombs and XFL players, and and this is what happens in these situations. Um, the bottom line is they 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 just they just have a real knack for losing games that they in, in ways that are just unbelievable the mistakes this team makes in close games the way they found ways to lose really increasingly over the last few years is is un, is unbelievable it's remarkable yeah it's 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 really uh it, it's almost like this team is on a mission to find new ways to lose a game each week it, it, and they really do they yeah. really do and, let, and you know what justin let's hope that continues so Listen, that's all the time we're going to take today. We usually go around the league. We're going to do things a little different this week. We have so much stuff around the NFL and so many great things to talk about from outside of Foxborough that I think we're going to wrap it up now and we're going to call this the Patriots podcast and then we're going to record around the league later this week, um, probably tomorrow night. And we're just going to go from some of the real stories through the NFL because things are really heating up uh, across the league. So there's a ton, a ton, a ton to talk about around the NFL. So you have any final thoughts, Justin, about this debacle yesterday against the commanders, this humbling loss that, <laughs> that we're all just going to be reeling over. No, you know what, if any, I think it was, uh, it was the, the, the nail in the coffin for me in this Patriots 2023 season. I think at this point yeah. we're all pivoting now to, you know, what do you do to close out the year and prepare for next year as evidenced by our, our conversation today, right? I think we all are pivoting away from, you know, can this team write their season? Can they, can, can they become a playoff team? Can they be, no, we're, we're all, I think we're all off of that ship and accepted that this is one of the worst teams in, in football right now. And we got to figure out what we need to do differently from now until 2024 to, to write the ship. And it really does start this season, like next yes. week. I mean, you said it, the nail in the coffin, that that's really the perfect phrase. Cause, cause I think that even going into yesterday, there was still a path forward for them to right. salvage this season that we talked about it last week, but the schedule lightened up and the path was there but it really required them. And we nailed it because we said this. They said there's no way they should beat all these next four teams and save their season, but there's no way you can trust them to do that because look at this team's track record. And lo and behold, first time out, they they just completely throw up on their shoes and, and get beat by a Washington team that had just traded two of their best players, by the way, which we haven't even mentioned. But, you know, Redskins are, I mean, the commanders are kind of in full tank mode and we've just out-tanked them so i mean what does that say about the patriots you know where they are right now but but i think right now it's it's clear that that 2023 is a wash um we're we're, we're playing for 2024 at this point and i just don't think this team has the the guns the capital the, the um the the players the talent to make the kind of run um, that they would need to make the salvage their season so it, it, this is the ugly end and, and we'll see what happens the, the 
the next eight games. I can't believe they have eight games left. Oh my God. I know. I know. Lot, lot <laughs> of season long, left. Long eight games. All right. Well, listen, that's all the time we have. I want to thank everyone that listened. We're going to wrap it up. Keep your eyes open for our Around the League podcast. That'll be coming out the next day or two. Have a great week, everyone. Take it easy.